is today. Today? It is Wednesday, my dude. This is gonna be great! <laughs> Good day, everyone. Uh, I'm gonna let you know about something that happened last week that is very frustrating, which also scares me that it's gonna happen again today. I'm, pr I'm pretty much sure it's gonna happen today. I don't want it to. Like, I just don't have time for this, but... So last week, I did the Devo podcast. You may have realized it didn't show up uh it wasn't available until late in the afternoon late in the afternoon well the reason was is because i recorded the audio on a separate device and then the video i do from my phone and i have a special app that gives me supposedly good high hd clarity whatever which i'm not using right now i'm using something else to this is to be in 4k i know but the problem is this as i was doing hd last week like i usually do whatever there was nothing that changed uh i went to airdrop it to my editing computer and the transfer would not go through would not go through kept going like airdrop wasn't working i was like Ugh. so then and that took forever then I was like, I know, iCloud. Why do I have iCloud for these specific issues? So I log into iCloud, and then it says, we need your password. I go, okay. I put my password in. The same password as Ben. They said, nope. And you know, in like movies, comedy sketches and all that, they make fun of this where you like you put in your password, and then you have to change the password. Then you put the new password, and it says it can't be your old password. That literally happened to me. I'm like, I, I just can't. And the more time went by, the more frustrated, the more angry I was getting. I was like, I want to punch holes in all of these computers. I want to destroy everything. Like, I was so angry, like the Hulk. So angry. And when I finally did get into iCloud, guess what? The video wasn't there. Why it wasn't there? No idea. I just did it. Everything else shows up that's on my camera roll, but not the video. And I was just... So angry. So then again, I tried the, uh, I, you know, restarted everything. I start, tried the airdrop again. This time it worked. However, took forever. I'm talking an hour of download time, like transfer time, the airdrop. Airdrop works in like 30 seconds for big um, files. And I was like, oh. so after an hour, it finally goes through. And I'm like, okay. I open it, I put it in my, uh, I go to drag it into my editing software, and it says that the podcast was an hour and 48 minutes long. Now, the podcast was 34 minutes long, but this hour and 48 minutes, I'm like, how is this possible? I hit play, it's all in slow motion, I'm like, and I was why would it do that? I didn't record it in slow motion. I recorded it normally. So then I had to work away to figure out, and I tried again. 
it was going to take till today to get it to download whatever. So I took that slow-mo and then I had to speed it up to normal. It was a whole thing and it was so frustrating. And and now that I'm talking about frustrating, now my light on my right is acting up right now. It just went dim. And then I'm going to hit the button to fix it. And guess what? It's not going to work right either. This is a uh, this is Chinese uh diffuser lights for super cheap. Yeah, and it's just going to go crazy, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Why is this happening? It's just... Anyways, I'm just going to let it go crazy, whatever. But the moral of the point, the moral of the story, moral of the point, what's that? Is I need some sort of camera with an SD card. A good camera with an SD card. I could just pull it out, put it right on the computer. It'll be... That will be the goal. And I was thinking, I think I have a GoPro. I know I have a GoPro around here. And I am very organized. I know where everything is at. Guess what? It's missing. Don't know why. I don't know. So then I was looking into buying some sort of GoPro, and uh, I just haven't gotten to it. But something has to happen because I'm sure that I'm going to have the same problem today. So I hope you're probably not going to get this till later today. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, but I got to figure a way to get some sort of real camera studio camera thing yeah so that's that so let's talk church i've spent a lot of time watching youtube videos from different channels dedicated to helping churches there's there's a lot of people out there willing to help give their advice their expertise and and how to improve your everyday church life if you work in a church if you're a worship pastor music director tech director all those kind of things and uh, the other day, yesterday, I watched one on announcements, on how to do announcements, right? And announcements to me are very frustrating. And, and the first thing that this video said was, hey, have you ever had somebody in church come up to you during an event or right before an event and said, hey, I didn't even know we were doing this. And while you had already announced it like for a month, and I'm like, yeah, every single event that we have. My own small group said to me a couple days before the worship night we had, oh, I didn't even know there was a worship night. I've been talking about it for a month straight. It's been on the screens. It's been on the lobby screens that I have out there. It's been It's been on Facebook. I don't know what I got to do, right? So I, I was watching this video, hoping this guy was going to be like, here it is. And he's going to give me the special sauce. And he gave me three rules to follow. And guess what? I follow almost all of them anyways. I mean, I do. It's just, but still no one seems to listen. No one seems to care. And then I was thinking about these YouTube channels that I watch. Uh, most of the YouTube channels that have these kind of help things are mostly based off of large slash mega churches, that, that type of thing. And then I was like, okay, which... There's reasons for that, I understand. But um, do you know that? Do you know how many mega churches there are in the U.S.? And that's that's of congregations of two thousand or more. That's kind of the definition of a mega church. There is seventeen hundred and fifty mega churches in the U.S. Now, seventeen hundred and fifty—that's a lot, right? Well, uh, Hartford Institute estimates estimates that there's roughly three hundred and fifty religious congregations in the United States. So that 1750 equals about 5% of the churches 
United States. So 5% are mega churches. And here's another thing. The average size of a Sunday attendance in, a, in, in just a random church throughout the U.S. is 60 people. That's how many the average church in the U.S. has. The majority of churches. So although I do believe that I do gain valuable inf information from these sort of YouTube help channels for churches, I, you, you kind of got to take it with a, a grain of salt. Um, and there's, there's actually one channel that I really like, specifically when it comes to, they do master classes, uh, they talk about breakout sessions, they have conferences where they, they show the main speakers, the keynote speakers and all that, and then there's also times where they have a bunch of worship pastors or tech directors or whatever, and then there's other people asking them questions. I, I find that very valuable, really good. Um, and they talk a lot about production in churches too. And I think that we have a really good production team. We have a production here at Point North that's above average, I would say. It's pretty good. Uh, but this particular channel, when they go through church's production, I feel like I'm using overhead slides still. It's just I can't relate to what they're like, to the enormity of their lights and their effects and their. It's just crazy. So a lot of times I'm just taken out of it. And. That's not a, the first time that that's happened. I actually interviewed for a church in uh, St. Charles, which you would, it's, it was a mega church. This was a long time ago. And uh, interviews went well, all that stuff. And we went to, my wife and I went to, um, to a service, dropped our kids off at the, in the children's ministry, which was, you know, like extravagant. And um, during the message, the pastor and his wife were both on stage. They're kind of like co-teaching. And they were talking about their this huge kitchen renovation that they were doing in their house. And it was like over $70,000, $75,000. And they just talked about how inconvenient it was and the stress that came with it. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, I, I don't relate to this. I, I just can't. This is in no way anything that my world has or can relate to right now. I just... Um, so... It didn't really work out. Not only that, that I, I couldn't relate, but also uh, one of my daughters escaped and they couldn't find her from the extravagant children's ministry. Anyways, uh, but anyways, speaking of these channels and things that I watch, I was watching like a, a TED Talk or a keynote speaker with this music director the other day. And, and then the whole thing was about how to be a better music director. And he, he has said something that I've always thought was correct. I always subscribe to, you may say. He says, when you create the worship set and you put the MP3 on planning center or whatever, and send it out for the band to learn, to, to learn that song, he said, that is one way to do the song, is what the MP3 has. But it's probably not the best way. The best way to do the song is the way your church does it. So, meaning you could change things, make it more, feel more your churchish, if you know what that means. Um, and that's one thing I've always thought is I'd rather figure out who we are as a church, who we are as a worship band, rather than base all of our stuff um, on what another church's identity is. And then as I was thinking about this, pondering what I was going to talk about today, I was talking to Pastor Eric here. Um, and uh, 
he said that when we were talking about the channels, you know, I go, it's all these big mega church things. And, um, he said, well, that's because if you are a part of a church like that, you think, you know, like, oh, we're, we're pretty successful. We got all this going for us. Let me post this on YouTube. Maybe people will be like, look, this is what they do. They're big. They have a lot of church attendance and seemingly they're successful, you know, like they have the tools to do it. So that's kind of how we do it. And I, and I like the heart that they want to help other churches too. So it's all good. There's nothing I'm saying is bad about these channels at all. To be clear, I really like them. I subscribe to them. I watch them. I gain valuable information regardless of what size their church is, what size church mine is. Um, but I don't think just because a church is big and has a lot of people, it's successful. Like, for instance, like when I said I wanted to know what our church is like, what our worship band is, does compared to what the MP3 does. At my old church, there was a person that was used to say, well, this is the way we did it at Willow, which was a big mega church in Illinois. And I was like, I don't care what that church did. It's this church we're talking about. And when you think about successful churches, most of the time when we think about a successful church, we think that equals attendance. But it shouldn't. I mean, I found, thinking back, uh, the first church that I had like attended, that I came to faith in and all that, was a small church who would line up with the 60 people. We had 60. We Sometimes we had 100. But we were all in that, that range, right? And I found that church to be very successful. It was a Bible-teaching church that was discipleship-based. Um, and a lot of people would think, wow, only 60 people, huh? You know, but the numbers, of course we wanted to grow and do great things, but it was like, I wasn't upset that I went into this church and there was 60 people or a hundred people. I, I, these were like my family. It was a, it was a close knit group. And I think that a lot of those people did great things leaving and were discipled, but the discipleship factor is not something, uh, that you can show on real statistics done by these companies on the internet. I mean, uh, is a church, what makes a church really successful to me? It's, are they teaching the word of God accurately? Are they sending out disciples? Are they truly changing lives and bringing people to Christ? Maybe, maybe not. Like, is that what a, what a, what a mega church is doing? Maybe. Um, another measure of success that a lot of churches base, like what their success is, is on baptisms. But last week I went through that song, uh, drunk again. And in that song, it says that the girl was baptized, but she didn't feel any different. And I went through that while, you know, that baptism is a, is a outward response to an inward change of coming to faith and putting your trust in Jesus. So how many, how many people mega church are baptizing, uh, could be, there could be a number of issues. Like number one, maybe they don't really know what baptism is. Maybe they're doing it because their friends are doing it, or it's just kind of something to do. I don't know. Cause I know that a lot of mega churches will have like hundreds in a day. And it's like, maybe that is real. I'm not saying it's not, but I actually saw a video recently of a baptism where I was shocked to see what an answer that someone said as to why they were being baptized and so this one's particularly strange so so check this out friend why don't you come over tell us your name and tell us why you're being baptized tonight hi i'm crystal and 
I just know that God is calling me to be a warrior for his animal kingdom and that I'm to lead angels of our, an army of angels to protect animals across the world. And I just know I can't do it without God. Come on, give Christopher a round of applause. That's amazing, sweet. That's amazing. See, what's crazy is not only am I, I bothered by the pastor like and allowing this answer and not like stepping in and saying something, but everyone else around is kind of like applauding and agreeing and, and confirming her strange belief that she's being baptized to save dogs and or animals or whatever. And the reason I'm like, that's the reason you're being baptized. Like seriously, you find that biblical. Cause I don't, it's, but I mean, all the other congregation of the congregants are going along with it. And so that makes me think why well, I, I kind of have to question your, your belief and your, your faith. If it, that sounds good to you, like that seems little off. So my point is, the baptisms isn't probably a good gauge of success for churches either. I mean, I understand why people would, but, and, and to be clear, I don't want to pick on mega churches. Uh, as many smaller churches may excel in one area, uh, maybe more discipleship or close-knit fellowship, mega churches also excel in different areas too. Uh, they have the resources to put out, send out more missionaries, help needy, attract seekers who may end up coming to faith and, and doing great things. So small churches and mega churches are both important, and I think they're both biblical. I mean, if you look in the Bible, you could see, like scholars believe there could have been as many as 50,000 people in the Church of Jerusalem at one point, too many to fill the temple court, which forced them to spread out to other sites. So right there we have like, what could be considered a multi-site megachurch right there in the Bible. But thinking about these YouTube channels that I watch specifically that are to help churches, and they usually come from the large megachurches or from people who work at the large churches, got me thinking about the majority of the churches in the Bible. And these churches are who we actually learn the most from. Most of the churches in Acts were home churches or gatherings between 10 and 50 people. So we learn so much from Acts in the, state that in the start of the church that we know to come today. We come to know today. Now, back in biblical times, obviously, you know, when I say we learned from those church, uh, Paul's not specifically going to address announcements or anything like that, right? Paul didn't send out letters to the church saying, look, Church of Ephesus, you're doing pretty good. But you got to get that pre-service announcement sorted out. He wasn't doing that. Paul didn't write to the church of Corinth saying, listen, are you even doing a connection card? And uh, don't get me started on the next steps for the events that are coming up, right? No, the Bible teaches us about Jesus, faith, watching out for false prophets, all those sort of things. So we're not, even though I say we're learning about it, it's not the daily day-to-day -day stuff especially now with all production and with the worship teams and all that. That's not what it's about. But back to the, the topic of church size and, and the success, how we find success had me thinking, if you go to a church conference and you mingle with other pastors, the question will come up, how many people attend your church? 
there's the comparison game that's going to go on. And and it sort of seems like sometimes like the biggest church wins and how many attend your church? Like, so they'll be like, how many attend your church? You know, about a hundred people. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Well, we average about 500. So, <laughs> you know, we're kind of a big deal, blah, 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 that kind of thing. They'll, they'll probably dress it up a little nicer, but it's still gross. And I don't think Paul and Peter were comparing their weekly attendances for the churches they were they were dealing with. Plus, it, it also seems that at these conferences, it's, it's only the big church pastors that are asked to speak at these conferences and events, as if the pastors from the smaller churches don't have valuable wisdom and insight to give. I find that every pastor, regardless of size, has valuable experience and wisdom to offer well, I mean, unless they're like whack jobs that got themselves fired for heretical views or engaged in illegal activities. But I guess even then, you could say you get wisdom from those pastors of what not to do. So, like I said, it's still I still find it valuable to watch these channels, and I do learn from them. Um, I kind of have to see it through a lens, though, of uh, that that specific church that this specific piece of advice worked for, could it work for my church? Maybe, maybe not. But what I do know, though, is that the advice I get from the Bible and Acts and all the letters to the churches from Paul will absolutely work for my church. It'll work for your church and all the biblical churches, Christian churches in, in the country, in the world. So I think that's probably where I have to end things today sometimes like today I don't really know how to end you know I, I, I wrote what I wanted to say whatever and then I'm like I'm just gonna end do you feel like it gets awkward and weird like is it does it feel okay I don't know maybe it's just one of my many quirks but speaking of quirks and talking about other pastors and all that um going along with this Devo podcast about learning from other pastors. Uh, I went on a retreat a long time ago, like like I said, at my first church. And um, his name was Eric Uwaskowitz. Great guy, great pastor, great preacher. He does a lot of church planning stuff now. But anyways, uh, we went to this retreat, a bunch of us, and we stayed, and me and him stayed in this camper. And, uh, and we had to get up in the morning. And so he set the alarm. And I don't know what time it was set for maybe let's just say we had to be up by eight so he set the alarm for 7 30 or 7 15 i don't know but the alarm went off i wake up well and so i assume it's time to get up so i get up and get dressed i start taking care of everything and he turns it off and then he's not really moving then pretty soon the alarm goes off again and i just look over and he turns it off then i'm doing more the alarm goes off again and again and again then he turned off and i'm like just get up dude like what you're you're a snooze buttoner, aren't you? Mm. And it was like really disappointing because that's snooze button is stupid. Like, why would you want to wake up, have to turn an alarm off and then get crappy sleep for the next 30, 40 minutes when you could just get good sleep for 30, 40 minutes, hear the alarm and just get up. That's more beneficial to you. Like, so I went through all the, the pros and cons of it. And he's like, look. Everybody's got their quirks. And so I guess 
this long story about nothing is just because the word quirk. See, I should have just ended when I said I was going to end it. Uh, but oh well, we, we live and we learn. So now I really am going to end it. So you have a good one. I'll see you next week. Oh, 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 oh,